Hallelujah. Welcome, friends, and welcome to another edition to New Kingdom Realities. And I'm your anchor, Edus, and shortly we'll be starting this edition by prayer. Let us pray. Ephesians chapter 1, I'll read from verse 16. We'll be praying for revelation and knowledge. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards world who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come hallelujah let us pray the <laughs> Membro <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for another edition. Thank God for giving us the privilege to also share the word of God, to teach the word of God again. And so, you know, just before we then continue on this um today's teaching, we want to share a quick uh, recap of what we did the last time, which was um the leading of the spirit as regards um looked at inward witness and inward voice and dreams. Talked about how that the Lord can also lead by virtue of the inward voice. The inward voice is a voice that comes from within to give us direction. You know, sometimes we're in a crossroad. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to take. We become tired of ourselves. We come to the end point. We come to the end of ourselves. You know, sometimes by just taking some time off, from all the activities of the world, from all the distractions of the world, we can just take a retreat, take a time off. You know, by the time we sink ourselves more and more in the word and in the prayer, sometimes a voice can just come to say, this is the way, walk here in the way, this is the way you should go, this is the way you shouldn't go. Now, sometimes, though it may seem as if that that voice is coming from the outside, but actually that voice is coming from within. Because I've said it times without number in our teachings, that because the believer has received the Spirit of God, as we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Let's just turn there quickly. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I'll read from verse 9. Say, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. So we see that for the believer, that the spirit of God is in the believer, and because the spirit of God is in the believer, the voice actually comes from within. Hallelujah. It comes from within to give direction, to give clarity, to give a, a sense of purpose, a sense of guidance. Hallelujah. We also look at we also look at so we also look at dreams. We also look at dreams. Look at how dreams, how that that God can also communicate to individuals via dreams. Look at Job chapter 33, verse 14. Let's just turn there very briefly. Job chapter 33, verse 14, said, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceived it not, in a dream and in a vision of the night, when deep sleep fall upon men, in slumbers upon bed. Then he opened the ears of men, and sealed their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose, and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. Hallelujah. So we see that, 
God can actually communicate dreams. We don't want to go back all for the teaching again, but you can just go back there. It's called leading of the spirit of um, um, part four. So we also see that God can communicate his revelations via dreams to man. You see, especially it happens when especially man has been trying to communicate to man, probably through the inward witness, through the inward voice, you know, through the word of God. He has been coming again and again. But when man is not sealing up the instruction, God can come through dreams. And when it comes through dreams, it's usually a warning. I'm not saying that every time that the dream comes is a warning. But most of the time, it's usually a warning. And that warning is to keep back man's soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Is that he may withdraw a man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Hallelujah. So we can see that altogether, God is love. God is wonderful. God is altogether righteous. So he doesn't want any one of us to perish. He said, as we saw it in, in Peter. Let's look at it in Peter. Um, that's Second Peter chapter three from verse nine. Said the Lord is not slack concerning His purpose, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, world, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when I mean by the word perish, I'm not talking about perish in hell. Whenever we hear the word perish, we're always the first thing that comes to our mind is hellfire. But no, that's not what I'm talking about here. And that's not what here is talking about. It's not talking about perish, but talking about perish and utter destruction. And utter destruction. I was just Job just to, to, to perish, to die, just to be destroyed, as the case may be. It's not necessarily hell, but for man. And this can happen to both believers and to unbelievers. Believers can actually perish. They can actually be destroyed. But that is not the will of God. For anyone to perish, you must understand that it's not the will of God. Hallelujah. So, look at all that. So, and in conclusion, when I said that, um, that the, 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 the leading of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit is such a way that it is not it does not come all together at once. It comes in bits and in, in, and in and pieces. And that the whole essence of the leading of the Spirit, the, the primary essence of the leading of the Spirit is not in the outcome. The real essence of the leading of the Spirit is not in the outcome or in the circumstance, but it is the true test. Yes, that's the word we use. So the true test of the leading of the Spirit is not in the outcome or in the circumstance, but rather is in the obeying the leading of the Spirit. So the true test of the leading is not whether it's, it comes out fine or it comes out awkward, because the truth is that you can obey God and things can still go rough. How be it you will not be perished? Amen. Amen. We'll look at all that. But the, more, the true test of the leading of the Spirit is that, is that, I repeat, is that you obey the leading of the Spirit. And so today we want to look at another very important, another very important concept in the doctrine of Christ and in the gospel. And that is the doctrine and that is the concept of spiritual anatomy. I call it spiritual anatomy because... It's very, very important. We'll look at the significance as we progress in the teaching. You know, generally, anatomy is the study of structure of living things, how human, how human beings are composed of. Anatomy just simply talks about, okay, the eyes, the head, the neck, the, 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 the chest, the abdomen, you know, the structure of things that you can feel, touch. You know, and all of that, the structure, the composition, that simply talks about anatomy. That's physical anatomy. But what we are discussing today is spiritual anatomy. What is first and foremost man composed of? 
when you say man, when you say spirit, when you say soul, when you say body, when you say mind, what do these terms mean? It's very, very important. We must understand this concept. How be it, I must state here that the best way to study spiritual anatomy, what the man is composed of, is to understand it, is to study spiritual anatomy in context. Hallelujah. In other words, just I've said it times without number, that the Bible is actually our guide. And as our guide, this is what we are following. This is a, it's our guide. It's, it's, it's our, I call it it's our reference point. Hallelujah. That's the word. As the Bible is our reference point, so it's what we follow. So it's reading, in studying spiritual anatomy, our reference point is the word of God, is the Bible. Is the Bible. And so, since it's the Bible, the best way to study spiritual anatomy is to study it in context. You must understand what each what each place means contextually. How be it, but my own study of the scripture has come to discover that, that it is, is the same in every place and in every manner. It's the same. And I want to use this opportunity to thank God for those that have labored in the word of God for us, those that have gone ahead of us, those that have taught us spiritual anatomy in time past. They've made us to see that man is a spirit, has a soul, and he lives in a body. That's so, so wonderful. I'm so grateful for the teachers of faith. They've made us to see how we can relate with God on these terms. But a proper, but another look into the scriptures, not a proper um, another look into the scriptures, I say this with all humility and with all reverence, that another look into the scripture will see that actually that it, it's, it, there's, there's a development from that. There is a development from that. And we shall be looking at that altogether. But before we start, let us look at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's start from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll read from verse 22 to 23. From verse 22, he said, Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, because of this part now, people actually thought that man is actually a spirit, he has a soul in his body. So, what the Apostle Paul just simply said here is that your whole spirit, your soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So, we want to now look at what is actually the spirit, what is actually the soul, what is actually the body, and how does these terms interplay, and what actually in, in, in to, to to also to take it a bit a little bit up from here, what is the mind and what is the heart? Hallelujah. So we'll be looking at what is actually the spirit, what is actually the soul, what is the body. What is the mind and what is the heart? So anywhere you see the word heart in the Bible, this is what it means. Anywhere you see the word spirit in the body, in the Bible, this is what it means. Hallelujah. Let's start from the word spirit. The word spirit is the Greek word pneuma. Hallelujah. The word spirit is actually the vital principle by which the spirit, the body is animated. Meaning that actually... Man is composed of a spirit. He has a spirit. He has a spirit. Man is spiritual, but man has a spirit. Now, when I talk about spirit, I'm referring to both those that have believed the gospel and those that have not believed the gospel. I've said in times, in, without number again in our teachings, 
that there are two categories of people living on the earth. There's no in-betweens. There's no go-betweens. There's no in-betweens. There are just two people living in the service of the earth. Those that are born again and those that are not born again. There's no in-between. It's either you're born again or it's either you're not born again. It's a virtual fact. So when it refers to the spirit, man has a spirit. The 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 unseen part of man, you know, when man walking in the streets, walking in our streets, in our workplaces and all of that, the unseen part of a man, one of the unseen parts of a man, I'll put it that way, I'm coming home, is the spirit. Is the spirit. How be it for the believer, that spirit is alive. For the unbeliever, that spirit is dead. Hallelujah. Let's look at it. Let's look at it from verse. Let's look at it in First John. First John chapter. First John chapter three. I'll read from verse thirteen. He said, "Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abided in death." Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer had eternal life abiding in him. Hallelujah. So when the Spirit of God comes into the heart of a man, that man becomes a living spirit. The Spirit comes alive. Hallelujah. The Spirit comes alive. So the Spirit is that unseen part of man that is not seen. Hallelujah. Let's move quickly. The second one we'll look at is the word soul. Soul. Is the word soul. Before we get to the word soul, let's look at the word body. The Greek word soma is that which casts a shadow as distinguished from the shadow itself. Meaning that when a person is moving on the street, that which casts its shadow is referred to as the body. So the spirit cannot cast a shadow, so it's not a body. So in other words, the body is that physical part of man that can be seen. Hallelujah. So let me just quickly drive on my point. Man, from the beginning, hallelujah, as we see, from the beginning, as we see that God created man in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that man was created to have both interactions with the spirit realm and with the earthly realm. That was the original design. Now, for him, for man to interact with the spiritual realm, he needed to possess an unseen part, which is the word, the spirit. What I mean by the spiritual realm, I mean the realm that is not seen with the physical senses. Hallelujah. So man, this is just work with me. Man has a spirit. And as a result of that, because he is to relate with the spiritual realm, with the unseen world, he has a spirit. Now, man also, because he's living in a physical world, the material world, the touch, feel, taste, and all of that, there's need for him to possess what? A body. So man with his spirit relates with the unseen world. Man with his body relates with the physical world. Now, in between the body and the spirit is a third component that is referred to as the word, the mind. Let's look at it. It's referred to as the mind, which we see in Romans 12, verse 2. Let's just go there quickly. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, from verse 2, he said, And be not confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. So, in between the body and the spirit is the mind, which is actually a faculty of the spirit. Hallelujah. And mind, in the Greek, it means nose. It simply means the faculty of the spirit that is what that is what concerned with perceiving, understanding, feeling, judging, and determining. That is the mind. That is not the soul. Now, the entire component of the spirit, the body, the mind is referred to as the what? The soul. That is the spiritual anatomy. I'll take that again. That is what the soul. I'll take that again. Let me take it up again. This is just the point. This is just the whole thing about spiritual. When you understand the spiritual anatomy, you'll be able to relate with God better. You will understand that man was created with a spirit component so that he may be able to relate with the unseen realm. And that spirit component is referred to as the spirit. So man has a spirit. For the believer, the spirit is alive. For the unbeliever, the spirit is dead. Is not alive in such a way. Is not alive to spiritual things. Now, man also, because he lives in a physical world, in a world where he, he, he touches, feels, tastes, and all of that, there is need for him to have a body, soma. Now, with that body, he relates with the physical world. Now, in between the body and the spirit, there is a third component, which is referred to as the mind. And that mind is not actually situated in the body, but is actually situated in the spirit. So, it's a faculty in the spirit of man. And with that mind, man is able to determine, is able to judge, is able to feel, is able to make decisions, and is able to what? To perceive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, that whole component of spirit, of mind, and of body is referred to as the word, the soul. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 1. No wonder in Genesis. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 2. When God created man. Look at what he said. In Genesis. Chapter 2. I read from verse. Genesis chapter 2. I read from verse 7. He said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breath into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So man is actually a soul. Greek word, suche. Hallelujah. Greek word, suche. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Greek word, suche. But in this, in the context of this Genesis 2-7, the Hebrew word was nefesh. That was what was used, was nefesh. And it simply means self. Create your person. 
So that entire component, that entire circuit of spirits relating with the spiritual realm, with the unseen world, body relating with the with the with the with the physical world, and the mind in between, which is a faculty of the spirit, being able to in, interplay between the spirit and the what and the and the body is now what is referred to as the word the soul. No wonder also as we see in um, Peter, we see in First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, I'll read from verse twenty. He said, "Which sometime we are disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water." So, generally speaking, the Bible refers to man as a soul, as a soul. So, the soul is not where. We determine all this. No, that is actually the mind. The mind is actually the decision point, the feeling point, the judgment point, and the perceiving point. How be that mind is a faculty in the spirit. When a man is born, because of the disobedience of Adam, the spirit died. And the spirit comes alive by putting faith in what Christ has done. So when a man comes alive, when a man gets born again, he comes alive. Hallelujah. Look at what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, I'll read from verse, from verse 5. Jesus answered, very, very, I see unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. I've said it before that that word and of is kai. That is the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. So we see it. He said, verse 8 said, The wind bled where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell when whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So one that is born of the spirit is one that is born again. Hallelujah. There's one that is born again. Jesus Christ continued. He went on to explain himself. In verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Hallelujah. He went further to explain himself in 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. So that is what the spiritual anatomy. Now, what is the significance of this? You see, many times, when man sin, we are so quick to judge that it's actually the soul. Not the soul, instead, the spirit, the new created spirit that sins. No. Man that is born again is the spirit component that is born again. That spirit component is ever pure, is ever righteous, is ever holy. So, where man sins, man sins in his mind and in his body. So, when, so but we relate with God with our entire being. 
we'll look at all that later in our subsequent video when we're talking about forgiveness and repentance of sin. But the point I'm trying to make is that with our spirit, which is everly pure, which is everly righteous, we relate with God. But when we make mistakes, when we fall into sin and fall into error, it's a component of our body and of our minds. Howbeit the spirit is preserved. So that's no wonder the Apostle Paul now said, where the work is to be done. At the point of believing, the work of the Spirit is, is, already, is already done. So where the work needs to be done is actually in the mind. And when the mind is now renewed, the body will follow. And will have a what? A complete blameless. That entire soul becomes complete blameless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So no wonder, no wonder. You see it in just emphasizing it. The Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll end with this. In Ephesians chapter 4. I read from verse 23. He said, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So where the work is, is to be renewed day in, day out in our minds. And by the time we are renewed in our minds, we we'll now begin to think, we we'll transmit the thoughts from the spirit into the mind, and that will flow into our bodies, and we'll have a perfect and complete restoration. Because God wants not just a transformed spirit, but a transformed mind and a transfigured bodies. That is the goal of salvation. To have a what? A transformed mind and a what? Transfigured bodies. And my time is up. God bless you.